Welcome to the Truly Missed Podcast. I'm Candace, and each week I'll tell you about underreported missing people of color. All people of color must be vigilant in reporting crimes and evidence to help bring back loved ones when possible and give closure when it is impossible. Today, we will discuss Daniel Robinson. Daniel Robinson was born on January 14, 1997 to David Robinson and Melissa Edmonds in South Carolina. He'd attended the College of Charleston, located in South Carolina, and after his graduation with honors, he moved to Phoenix, Arizona to take a job as a geologist, more specifically a hydrologist, and stayed with one of his sisters. Eventually, he moves to Tempe, Arizona. Daniel was last seen by a co-worker on June 23, 2021 at his job site. There had been some rain, and while they were waiting for the weather to clear, Daniel suggests that the pair should head to Phoenix. According to Ken, he left the job site and headed west, which concerned him immediately because it's just vast desert in that direction. Ken tells Daniel's boss about his behavior, and Daniel is never confirmed to be seen again after this. First, let's go over what happened before he went missing. So let's jump back to June 12, 2021. As a second job, Daniel delivered for Instacart. On one of his deliveries, he stops at a woman named Caitlin's house. She invites him to hang out with her and a third person. Daniel and Caitlin exchange numbers and begin being friendly. Caitlin, however, says she had to stop talking to Daniel because he was showing up at her house unannounced and making her feel uncomfortable. He's insisted to his family members that he was in love with Caitlin. She has stated that those feelings were not reciprocated. His father, David, confirms this information. In the official police report, David explains that Daniel claimed he was in love and didn't seem to know much about Caitlyn to justify those strong feelings. He goes on to say that there were no signs that his son was experiencing any mental health issues, nor was he suicidal to his knowledge. He also said that other than the occasional marijuana use, his son did not take drugs. On June 22nd, that was the last time that David spoke with his son. This brings us back to the 23rd when Daniel goes missing. Around 7 a.m., he stops and purchases less than $4 worth of gas that's captured on CCTV footage. This incident isn't particularly odd because sometimes funds can be tight and maybe payday just didn't hit yet. So it's not really a big detail of the story, but it's part of the timeline. There's also no mention that he was acting weird or any other way than normal at the gas station. He then arrives to work, waits to meet up with Ken, and then around 9, he meets with Ken, and then he drives off only about 15 minutes after they met up. Just for clarification, Ken and Daniel did not work for the same company, but they do work for the same job site. Around 3 p.m., Ken is alerted that Daniel still has not returned, and he sets out to search for him in the direction he saw him leave. A friend of Daniel's lets his sister know about the situation, and eventually David is told. David attempts to file the missing persons report, but he's told to wait 12 hours. As I've stated so many times before, this is not a law. Even if this is the policy of that police department, this is not a law, and they're banking that people don't know that to make you wait. You are entitled to file your report right away. After 12 hours, David is able to file his report. Phone records show that one of the last texts sent from Daniel's phone was around 8 a.m. to Ken. It's not revealed what was in the message, but I'm guessing that it was just something work-related as they saw each other shortly after. There are four additional messages mentioned in the police report, but I couldn't exactly figure out who they were to or what they said. Daniel drove a 2017 Blue Jeep Renegade that it was equipped with both OnStar and the Uconnect GPS system. Records would show that neither system had ever been activated, with the respective companies. We're able to activate the Uconnect system and try and locate where his vehicle was. The system is not able to give appropriate coordinates of the vehicle at that time. On the 24th, the police attempt to call Daniel, but there's no answer. Daniel is scheduled for work and does not show up. 
His sister goes to check his apartment, but he'd not been home and nothing seemed out of place, nor was his car there. Ground and aerial searches are conducted. Initially, the request for an aerial search is denied, but after pressure from David and the family, it is eventually granted. David comes to Arizona immediately to search for his son as well. On July 6, the Buckeye Police Department searches Daniel's apartment. It's found that his company had paid his rent since it was after the first, but nothing seemed out of place in his apartment after a welfare check is conducted. Another aerial search is conducted for two days on July 9th and 10th. His financial records are also checked and monitored, but there's no activity since he went missing. It was also discovered that his Instagram page was wiped of pictures before he went missing, shortly before he went missing. On July 19th, Daniel's Jeep is located and it's flipped over in a ravine about three miles from his job site. It's located by a civilian, but there is no sign of Daniel. The black box data is collected from his truck to try and help piece together what happened. If you don't know, a black box is a computerized device in all type of motor vehicles that records the last few minutes before any accident. It can determine if you tried to brake or accelerate or other crucial information. This is a tool most insurance companies use also to determine who was at fault in accidents. So his truck is found rolled on its side with front end damage, but nothing extremely severe according to the report. All the airbags have been deployed and the driver's window is broken out, assumingly from the vehicle rolling over. Against the family's wishes, no immediate forensic testing is done because authorities did not find any bl visible blood at the scene. The forensics are not taken until three days later and the results are not released. David hires a private investigator named Jeff McGrath who finds details out that the police missed or at least did not put in official reports and notify the family. Jeff was able to determine that the damage to Daniel's truck was not caused where it was found. The car had been driven an additional 11 miles after it initially crashed. It was also determined that the vehicle crashed just a few hours after Daniel went missing. It also showed that the vehicle sped up before the crash, which could have meant that he was speeding up the side of the ravine and didn't make it and then it rolled over. Human remains were found near the Jeep. On August 3rd, they were determined that they were not of Daniel. The remains had been in the desert much longer than Daniel had even been missing. On September 26th, the family holds a press conference calling for more action for Daniel's case from law enforcement. Subsequently, the crash site is finally processed months after the Jeep was found. It's not impossible that clues and evidence could be found, but it's improbable. Another set of remains were found as well as a result of the searches. They did not belong to Daniel. By this time, David has relocated permanently to Arizona to continue the search efforts for his son. In late November, the FBI becomes aware of this case. David adds to his efforts by now including searches in mental health facilities and homeless shelters. There is no mention of him having previous mental health issues, but given his odd behavior leading up to his disappearance, I do feel like this was a necessary step. But there is still no sign of Daniel. Going off the evidence, I do believe that Daniel may have been experiencing a mental health crisis. We only have two accounts to go off of, the one he had with Caitlin and the one he had with Ken. He may have become disoriented after his first crash and wandered off to find for and wandered off to search for help. No longer having a concrete sense of direction, he could have ended up literally anywhere. Let's say he did make it out the desert, but he was suffering some sort of head trauma or amnesia and he ended up in a facility. Those type of holds only last for a couple of days, so if they released him in his own care, he may not have known where he was and he could be anywhere if that was the case, but we don't know that that's what happened. 
Truthfully, there isn't enough public information to put together what happened after his initial crash. Plus, he was in a dusty desert area, so before this jeep could be located, his footprints were likely no longer visible to tell you which direction he left it. Given he was not at the scene and there was no blood found, we can conclude that he most likely walked away. But where did he go? This case is just so baffling. I do think that these type of cases should be national news. I'd never even heard of Daniel's disappearance until I came across it. This wasn't plastered across social media either. Sometimes the difference between finding missing persons and it becoming a stalled case is the coverage of the case. White victims are always covered by a wider media net than people of color. This is where we come in. There is a new rise of black creators and podcasts that are covering cases like this and many more. The more you support these types of shows, the more you can share these types of stories by recommending them to friends and family. The bigger the community of all colors, the more likely we are to find answers and missing loved ones. At the time of his disappearance, Daniel was 24. He was 5'8 and about 165 pounds. He has brown eyes and black hair. Part of his right forearm did not fully develop, so he does not have part of his forearm, and he also does not have a right hand. Foul play is not believed to be involved. Private investigators have indicated that they believe that the secondary crash site where the car was rolled over was staged. There was a part of the car that was wedged on the floor of the driver's seat, which could mean that he let the vehicle drive itself into the ravine. And this could be supported by the lack of blood evidence at the crash site because if a vehicle rolls over, you definitely are gonna hit your head and possibly bleed out. If you have any information, about Daniel, please contact the Buckeye Police Tip Line at 623-349-6411. David has also set up a website, pleasehelpfinddaniel.com, that is regularly updated with information in his son's case. There are resources on this page to show you where to donate to the search efforts to sign a petition, as well as to volunteer in the area to search if you feel compelled to help. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, please reach out to mentalhealth.gov or betterhelp.com. BetterHelp is a play service, and this is not a sponsored ad, but I do know that they offer financial assistance if you cannot afford the services. Counseling and other mental health services can be needed by anyone at any time. So always make sure that you're taking the necessary steps to be your best self when possible. And don't be afraid or ashamed to ask for help when you aren't your best self. You are loved and you are needed. Instagram at Truly Miss Podcast and on Facebook by the same name. You can send an email at trulymisspodcast at gmail.com. Please follow and rate the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This show can also be heard on Anchor FM. Every rating will get this show closer to a bigger audience. These stories need to be heard. If you have a story that you would like to share, or if you have any tips on the cases I've already shared, please email or DM me. In each show's description, there's a link if you would like to help me with this show and donate so that I can access more resources and produce a better show to continue looking for these victims. No one is looking hard enough for us, so we should be looking harder for us. I focus on people of color as these stories don't get as much coverage. Hopefully, we can build this community one listener at a time. All sources are listed in the show notes. Please help this family and other families get one step closer. To-